Good afternoon. So I don't really have a specific topic to come on here and talk about today. Um, but I do realize that I haven't come on here in a minute to talk to you guys. So I just figured, you know, hop on, you know, chit chat and see if anything ensues. So we'll we'll just go that route today. Let's just say that this is an um, impromptu episode, right? Okay, cool. So, you know, just to fill you guys in on what's going on in the life of Jess, in case anybody asked. And if you do care, I mean, appreciate you. So, basically, I got my hair done, right? Got my hair done because I've had a lot of wig wearing going on the past couple months. You know, we're out of winter now. It's now spring. The weather's finally starting to get warmer. And my scalp just needs to breathe, honey. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good wig for the protective style, just for the style itself. And, you know, the low maintenance on my natural hair. However, every now and then my scalp just needs to breathe. And I don't always want to wear the same style. I have an itch, you know, after maybe about like four or five weeks to change up my hair. And this one's long overdue. So, you know, went to my little hairdresser, being my sister. And, you know, I asked her if she could put some straight backs in my hair for me. You know, my sister kindly obliged. And that's what we're rocking right now. And we will rock it until it gets fuzzy and just tired. So that's where I'm at now. The funny thing is that I work in healthcare. I work in a hospital. We're at the point now, or you would assume that we're at the point now where black women and their hairstyles are just like a known and common thing. Me, I'm the type of woman that is very cautious about my my environment and how I have to present and what I can and cannot say or who I can and cannot say things around or certain things around, I should say, you know, and just how I need to present myself. I mean, because A, there's just a professional standard that I truly do believe people need to adhere to when you're in a certain level of, I don't know, of a position. And also, I mean, how I see it as black folk, there's a certain standard that we need to uphold and maintain. Um, And it's exhausting, but it's something that we have to do. And if you want to be taken seriously, if you want to be taken um, as someone who is credible and just, I don't know, like professional, it's just what you got to do. And honestly, that standard really applies to anybody. But y'all know what I'm saying. Like, there's a different standard there that we're not going to talk about today. But regardless, I mean, I feel like when it comes to my hair... I don't want to say that that's off limits because I'm not ever going to do anything crazy other than shave my head, which I'm never going to do again. But like, I'm not going to do anything crazy when I'm in a professional environment and I know that I'm working with patients, doctors, um, representatives, like whatever the case is, you know, regardless, though, I'm going to still wear my hair in a protective style that I see fit and that I believe is cute professional and that still matches my personality and what I like to do with my hair based off of what my hair tells me it needs. So straight backs. It is. Yep. 
long straight backs. Um, and I've only had them in, I've only been at work with these in for two days, y'all. And already the reactions that I'm getting, it's like, it's always funny, but then it's always, it's also always just dead because why are we still acting like this? Like it, it's, it's just the microaggressions on so many different levels that people are not aware exist, but that other people are aware of existing because they deal with them on a constant basis. And it's just, it's very, it's very obvious. It's very obvious. For example, yesterday I come into work, mind you, I'm on the elevator and that's like, I already encounter one woman, one woman. And I don't say nothing, but I can tell that she's like, you know, her eyes are already on me. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to give you any reaction. I'm not even going to look back at you. I'm not even going to act like you're there. Like, I obviously am acknowledging that, like, you as a person, your existence is present and it's in my space because we have to go in the elevator together. But I'm not going to, like, you know, act any... I'm not going to react anymore other than that because, A, I don't know you. B, like, we're both wearing masks. I truly don't know you. And C, like, it honestly, I wasn't in the mood to kind of, like, act a little ignorant or just be a little petty back. So whatever. And mind you, the elevator ride was like, it just felt like it was two minutes long. This woman's eyes are on me. So, you know, towards the end, because I got tired of her, you know, looking over at me every minute or every second, rather, I just, you know, flashed, you know, the the little hang time that I got with my braids. And, you know, just to keep it pushing, like I, I, I peep you. And of course, you know, that immediately made her like look over at me some more. And you know, I was in a position where I'm standing behind her in the elevator. She's in front of me. So, you know, she's just kind of like, like once the door opens, she's just standing there looking at me like, you know, you can go. And I'm like, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. I don't need your eyes on me no more. Like a minute and a half is long enough. You don't need to be looking at me no more. So that's that. I mean, the rest of the day, you know, I have my coworkers that are like, oh my gosh, you did it with your hair. At least the ones like I talked to about, like, I want to get some straight backs. So they're like, I, you did it. Like, I love it. It looks great. Like, you know, rock your hair, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, I told them about my little encounter on the elevator with this lady. And they're just like, wow. I didn't think, you know, people would like act that way or, or I'm just sh- like, why, why is she staring at you? I don't have the time, nor do I really care enough to get into it. So I'm just like, yeah, I know, right? Like, if you wanted to tell me I'm cute, just say so out loud. Whatever. I go in a patient's room later on in the day. Um... I'm clearly dressed professionally as well. Like business casual is my attire. I have a clipboard with some paper in it. I go into a patient's room. This lady thinks that I'm the help. So immediately before a hello, before anything, it's, oh, you can take my my food tray. I'm done. (laughs) No, sweetie. Mind you, I'm aware that this may or may not have to do with my hair. It, It could just deal with the fact that I'm black. Or it could just deal with the fact that there are many people coming in and out of your hospital room on a daily basis. You don't know who from who. Regardless of the fact, though, the people that bring your food and take it out are in uniform. I am not. And regardless of the fact, though, it still does not mean that on a consistent basis, someone does not confuse me to be their aide or to be their maid or to be whatever the fact is. No. So immediately I'm going to dead that right then and there. No, ma'am. 
that's not me. I don't pick that up for you. I'm here in case management. I'm a social worker. I'm here to ask you some questions, get some background information, because if you want to get your butt up out this hospital in a reasonable amount of time, I'm the person that helps you do that. Okay. So don't disrespect me by, you know, assuming that I'm here to, you know, tidy up after you. Why don't you, I don't know, get to know the persons that are coming in and out of your room to work with you. I don't know about some of y'all, but for me personally, I like to know who's coming in doing what, when, and how frequently, especially if I'm in the hands of other people in a healthcare system. Me as a person, I'm just very much so involved and I need to know. So I'm going to make sure that I'm aware of who's coming in and out of my room, of what you look like, and also just, you know, as a personable thing, just so that I, you know, give you enough decency and respect as a person to acknowledge like, hey, you know, I know who you are. I know that you're separate from others that come in and out, you know, and I just want to build some type of rapport with you, but mainly so that like I can keep my eyes on who's coming in for what and how frequent. So there's that, you know, continue throughout the day. I see other coworkers during lunch you know, some are like, oh my gosh, I love your hair. Others just kind of stare. I'm used to it, whatever. I don't pay them no mind. I keep it pushing. Today, I mean, I don't want to say that people act differently when I present with different hair, but um, that's also what I'm trying to say. So, you know, you have coworkers where it's like, they just kind of like look at your hair and you know, not say anything else or, you know, they'll compliment something else on you that they've seen you in many other times before. Um, and just, but like, while still staring at your hair and just like, you know, avoid the obvious. I'm not going to point out the elephant in the room. You kind of brought it up indirectly, but I'm not going to point it out. So, okay, I keep it pushing, whatever, you know, cool. Um, you know, you can, there are obviously the moments where people either touch my hair or want to touch it, but have enough self-control where like they just don't. Now, I probably talked about it on here before. With the whole non-black people or just people in general touching a black woman's hair without permission, or just in general at all, really, um, my stance on it is I think it's I think it's uncomfortable. I won't always say that I think it's rude. I think it's uncomfortable. Um, but if I know you, if I'm cool with you, you know, like I let it slide. Like I don't really care. Granted, I don't know where your hands are. So that is where I get uncomfortable. And that's where like I'll have an issue. But with you as a person, no. Just with that one action, yeah. Depending on who you are. And depending on how well I know you or how well I like you. Now, if I don't know you, if I don't like you, if... I truly don't know where your hands have been or if they look any type of nasty. Like, no, you're not touching my hair and I will embarrass you for it because for you to ever do that, like, honestly, you signed yourself up for that embarrassment, but whatever. And I mean, it just, it is what it is, you know, it's just like, I don't, my whole point being, I don't like the microaggressions. I don't like the indirect or like the passive, you know, like attitude that comes with someone just wearing their hair and minding their business granted I get it that the people that I'm around like the majority is not used to you know someone coming in with hair like this and I get that the hair that I'm wearing is often affiliated with ghetto behavior or a ghetto stereotype but 
that's really no fault of mine, nor really is it any concern of mine because again, I'm wearing it as a protective style. I'm wearing it in a way in which I'm not presenting as extra. Like I don't have flamboyant colors, you know, running through my head. I don't have like crazy hairstyles in general. So respect me enough to just like, I don't know, keep that to yourself, you know? I don't know if any of you feel like that, but for me, it's just something that I always peep. It's something that I find interesting because I find it to be annoying at times. Other times I find it to be funny. Other times I'm just like, all right, like I don't stare at you or, you know, make scene whenever, you know, you go and get your hair cut or dye your hair a different color, whatever. Like if it's cute, of course I'm going to compliment you, but like, I'm not going to act in some like passive or like indirect weird way towards you. And I mean, that's just that. I know you cannot tell me that I'm just, you know, overreacting or I'm overthinking it because it happens enough every time I change my hair in a different style to where I see the change and where I see there's a visible difference. So no, I cannot be told otherwise. But yeah, I just felt the need to talk about that because I'm just like, damn, I, I always expect. No, I don't. But I hope for different reactions i hope for better um i don't know i just hope i don't know i just expect a different level of decorum i guess whenever it comes to that but whatever honestly i'm not tripping i just i just wanted to talk about it um in other news in case you have not already you know realized it is we're currently going through the Derek Chauvin trial. Um, I just wanted to also put it out there that we are not calling it the George Floyd trial because George Floyd is not the one that's on trial. George Floyd is not the one that committed a crime that we are, you know, arguing for or against, that we are arguing against, okay? Derek Chauvin is the murderer that is on trial. Derek Chauvin is the one that is being tried for his crimes. And he is the one that we are really um, observing under a fine tooth comb and under a very, very, very small microscope. So we're not calling it the George Floyd trial. George Floyd is not the one that is facing imprisonment. Derek Chauvin is. Let's just get that straight. But back to the point. We're now in week two of the trial. Um, honestly, I really wish that I was able to really tune into it more. I'm at work. So, I mean, if I'm constantly moving around, I'm constantly up out of the office in a patient's room, in a meeting, have to be on the phone. So, like, I don't I don't get to, like, dedicate a lot of my time to it other than just kind of, like, reading the recaps from news articles in the nighttime. But from what I'm seeing, I mean... It's looking decent, meaning I have some hope that, you know, he'll actually go to prison and that they will actually find this man guilty of this heinous crime that the entire world watched him commit for nine minutes and 30 something seconds. Honestly, the way that these trials tend to go whenever an officer or a former officer is on trial for killing 
a black man or really like any individual, I don't have high hopes. I don't expect much. And, but it's still always just like a stab in the chest. Literally, like the feeling is like a stab in the chest when you see the verdict is found not guilty and they face no time and they essentially get to continue going on living their lives as if it was never, you know, impaired to a degree. It They just get to go living their life unchanged. And I honestly, I don't want that to happen for this case. I don't. I'm hoping so hard that truly like justice is served. What happened to George Floyd was just the straw that broke the camel's back. And for the entire world, not just for the nation to, you know, like rise up and come against injustice, but for the whole entire world to protest and to stand up against racism and against police brutality. And just against like this white supremacy behavior. (laughs) If the jury... If the judge does not find this man guilty of the crimes that we literally witnessed him commit, we're damned. We're damned. This one, out of all the others, this one should not and it cannot go unpunished. It can't. It can't. Like that is a severe, a severe moral misjudgment if it were to go um, unpunished. And truly, it just, it just, again, confirms, even though a lot of us are hoping for otherwise, but it, it just, again, confirms the moral state of this country and of our justice system. And at this point in time, what we need is reform. And at this point in time, what the justice system itself really needs is to gain back that relationship that it once had with its communities. And it needs to learn how to start building a new relationship with the communities that it has learned and been forced to further disenfranchise for so many decades. I don't know, like the witness testimonies, the employee testimonies, it's real. It's real. I mean, even though, again, I'm not getting to watch it as in depth as I would like, it's just you feel how raw all of this still is for everyone especially for the people that have to relive that day over and over again the one that really sticks out to me the most is the store clerk that you know kind of had this whole um encounter begin with where you know he said like I realized that you know George Floyd had what appeared to be a counterfeit $20 bill but I don't even think that he realized that he had a counterfeit $20 bill. And even if he did, I had a part of me that was willing to just like accept it and then have that $20 come out of my wages. But what really broke my heart was the fact that, you know, he was saying that he blamed himself for all of this and that he you know, has had those moments where he's thought like, if I had just not said anything, this man probably would still be alive today. To put that burden on himself, and he's only, what, like 19 years old, the amount, like, that's so traumatizing. And the amount of guilt and probably anxiety and depression that that boy has gone through, that's too heavy. 
that's way too heavy. And then to have to not only relive it, but to admit that. After you've admitted it to yourself, but now to have to admit that to the courtroom in front of the murderer. I don't know, man. Like, prayers up for them, for real. Prayers up. And I've even honestly had to say a prayer, you know, regarding this case or regarding this trial because, man, enough is enough of the old way of doing things. Enough is enough of sliding these injustices under the rug and of just further perpetuating that whiteness is right and that it is excusable. Truly, I wish I had more words to just describe how I feel about all this, but honestly, I don't need to say anything further. I don't. We see it. We know what's going on. We're feeling the same way. And honestly, only time is really going to tell what's going to come about from this. I can only hope that justice prevails. That's it. Let's see. In other news, I don't really have any other news. <laughs> yeah. I just hope that with everything going on, you guys, we really take a look at ourselves and we really take a look at ourselves and our particular environments. It's really important to to always remain cognizant of who you are, but of who you're around and of what role you play in society and in your specific um, circles and, you know, casual and professional and just like regular environments. It's always good to like just check in with yourself and it's always good to kind of just check in with those that are around you with the company that you keep. I mean, honestly, sometimes life is just worth living and life life doesn't need to be some serious, drawn out thing. But life is also about learning yourself. And it's also about learning and growing and realizing. And, you know, changing and adapting when and where necessary. So just be aware, honestly, just be aware. I, I'm not saying that in any type of like scary way. I'm not trying to say that, you know, in, in any way other than really just to remember to always be aware. Always stay true to yourself. Always follow, follow the path of honesty and of righteousness. You know, at the end of the day, like we can't control others around us. We can't control what others say or what others do, but we can always control how we react and we can control how we present ourselves and we can just control us. We can be responsible for us. And that's just that. I'm really hoping that, you know, a lot of changes are occurring within the nation as well, you know, <clears throat> with COVID, with legislation, and honestly, with these new positive changes, it's going to come a lot of pushback. 
and there's going to come a lot of discord and probably some some trauma because you know birthing new systems birthing new attitudes comes with pain and it comes with labor sometimes long and hard okay so i think it's always best to remember that but again just controlling ourselves controlling how we react to situations and just controlling ourselves we can only be responsible for what we do for the impact that we leave on others and that alone in the grand scheme of things is enough that's all that's ever really required of us that's all we ever really need to do also if you're aware please 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 continue to pray for earl simmons better known as dmx What's going on right now with him in critical care is just, it's heartbreaking. It's honestly heartbreaking. Many people don't know this, but I love DMX. I love him. He honestly was my introduction to rap. And <laughs> granted, I mean, to be introduced to such a rough rider, so young, it's just kind of like, whoa, okay. But Regardless, it's like people give off a certain aura that you just vibe with. For me, I've just always vibed with him. Always. And to really like, you know, learn what he's gone through in his life. And to see that even though he he's presented as this, you know, rough, very rustic individual, you see that he has such a good soul, such a good spirit. And that man can pray like none other. Let me ever hear anybody pray so poetically. You tell me who else can pray as poetically as DMX. This man needs our prayers back now. I know that he's in there fighting for his life. And honest to God, I'm... You don't understand how bad I'm really praying and hoping that he pulls through. This man literally has been fighting his entire life. And just hold out a little bit further, X. We love you. We appreciate you. You're truly, truly, truly in my thoughts every single day. Every single day. And I'm really hoping for such a miraculous comeback. Yeah. I'm going to just leave it at that. I'm really going to leave it at that. I, I really do get emotional about this one. Why? I couldn't tell you. But let this be, you know, yet another lesson that addiction is very real. And addiction is a disease. It really is a disease. We're not going to sit on here and have this argument about, well, they chose to get into that life or they chose that X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that may be so. Not always the case, though. Not always the case. Regardless, though, like once you're sucked in, I mean, are you going to continue to blame the person that's now going through it? Because afterwards, it's a disease. It is a psychological and physiological change that occurs within your body that is not something that is easy to break. It's not like quitting cigarettes. It's not like quitting weed. It's not like quitting alcohol necessarily. Like hardcore drugs that your body has adapted to learn to depend on. It's an addiction. It's a real life disease. And 
what I really want to just say out loud is that addiction doesn't make someone less than and addiction does not make someone unworthy. This country has such a nasty habit and an intentional habit at that of really, you know, proclaiming that if you're addicted to drugs, if you use whatever, like you're not worthy. Your life is unimportant. What we can't forget is that these are people. These are real life people. Granted, you know, addiction and, you know, circumstances make people become different beings. And while it's not always easy to deal with them, while they're not always tolerable, that doesn't mean that they're not still deserving of being seen as a person who is, yes, still capable of dignity and respect. This is no different for DMX. This is no different for anyone, for any celebrity, for any non-celebrity battling addiction. So let's just keep our prayers up. Let's keep our faith strong, truly. And just hope that he really makes it through this. But till next time, guys, thanks for tuning in as always. We'll chat soon. Peace.